Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Leafs Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio. You can find me on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. You can also find the show at Locked on Leafs. Leafs with a big 4-3 win over the Tampa Bay Lightning tonight. A massive, massive victory. A great response after the uh, the e-bug incident. Uh, the David Ayers game, as we're calling it. Uh, a massive, massive character win for them. The only problem that I have is... Am I allowed to celebrate? Am I allowed to be happy with this game? Because we've seen them as little as a week ago have a great response game and then falter the very next game. And what worries me is who Toronto's facing next is the Florida Panthers, the team that we are chasing or that's chasing us, Currently, as we sit, as the, the Florida game's still ongoing out with, uh, out with Arizona, as we sit, we lead them by four points. They could win tonight, and then it's a two-point game, and it's a almost near must-win for Toronto. So that's the thing that bothers me. I, I don't know how to feel about this team anymore. I want to love love the performance that they put out there, but uh, at the same time, I'm, I'm just skeptical because it's you know win one, lose one, win one, lose one, and this team just can't seem to get something going. Hopefully. The loss Saturday night was was embarrassing enough that this team is is picking themselves up going forward and will perform to the ability that they know how to. Like tonight, what we saw tonight, not in the third period more so, but what we saw tonight for the most part, the first two periods at least, if they can give that effort night in and night out, I really, really think that this team has something in them. Because now we've seen it within a week. If they play the way that they 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 play the way that they need to play to win, which is a 60-minute, 200 foot effort, the Leafs can can hang with the best of them. We got a win against Pittsburgh last week, 4-0 win, and a 4-3 win tonight against the number one offense in the Tampa Bay Lightning. So they can win these games. Teams who we now believe are Stanley Cup contenders, they beat two Stanley Cup contenders in a week. But at the same time, they also lost to a 42-year-old emergency backup goaltender who doubles as their practice goalie slash Zamboni driver rank manager. So forgive me if if I'm not ready to parade this win as they're back because I, I tried that on Thursday. And then they went and they laid a stinker on Saturday in Carolina or against Carolina. They got to put together a couple of wins for me to really start to believe that this team is is capable of getting to the playoffs and being somewhat successful once they get there. Thursday's going to be a huge game. Huge game. Huge. But... uh, Let's talk about tonight. Let's talk about what else we saw. So I'll go through the good, the better, the best, and then uh, we'll we'll discuss it a little more in detail as well into the into the second frame of this podcast. And then uh, I got a, I saw a few tweets and a couple of people kind of discussing the whole Jake Muzzin contract and and thinking that maybe it was just the Leafs trying to save face and Dubas trying to save face because he didn't make a deal. So the least they could do was announce. The extension, um, not quite exactly what happened, so I'll kind of go into a little bit of details as to why that deal uh, was announced. 
we didn't really touch on it that much yesterday anyway, so maybe I want to go into a little bit and talk about uh, the more fine details of the of the contract and then discuss why it was announced yesterday as opposed to a couple weeks ago when it was reportedly already agreed to and just kind of put in the drawer. So uh, we'll, we'll get to that, but let's let's go ahead. Let's get to the good, the better, the best. Um, tonight, I thought this, the special teams were really good. So I got the, the special teams play as my good. Two for four in the power play, a perfect three for three on the penalty kill. And on the power play, you know, like John Tavares, he had a nice tip out in front on a point shot. That was a goal. And then that amazing goal by William Nylander. Oh, my goodness. Like, between the legs, just putting it, roofing it over top of Andre Vasilevsky. It's funny. They couldn't beat <laughs> they couldn't beat David Ayers. But they have no problem putting four on Vasilevsky. It's funny how things work out that way. But I digress. Um but no, really good on the power play. They were moving the puck around a little bit. Tyson Barry, I thought, did a good job quarterbacking it up top. Uh, he He's the one who, you know, Tavares got the tip in front. Barry sending a, a point shot on goal. Um, he finished the night uh, a pretty solid pretty solid game from, from Tyson Barry, getting himself an assist uh, over 25 minutes of ice time as well. But, you know, the, the power play, I thought, was really good. They were moving the puck around. They scored uh, two goals on four opportunities. And it's nice to see, considering that, you know, it's the power play and the, the special teams in general have kind of been poor lately. So to see them kind of have a good game like this, a response game, uh, was nice to see. And then the penalty kill, three for three. And I thought that they did a really good job shutting down Tampa, who surprisingly doesn't have a great power play, which really surprised me look at their their offense. Like, they're just super, super lethal. Um, but still, you know, you shut them down. Um, and, and actually, I, I'm pretty sure that the Leafs outchanced the Lightning on power play opportunities. Like, I, I'm like pretty sure that that happened. So Tampa had, well, they had one power play shot. Yeah, so one shot on the power play all night long. So you get one shot on three opportunities. That was brutal. Brutal. Hyman and, and Marner had two on had, had like three two on ones themselves. <laughs> they were really good tonight on, on the penalty kill, those two. They 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 really did uh they had, they had what two, three, I believe, shorthanded opportunities. Hyman, I thought, could have had a shorthanded hat trick if he would have been able to connect on some of these passes, but uh, really good, really good penalty kill. Uh, for better, William Melander and John Tavares. They had exceptional bounce back games. These guys, um, which is which is good to see because it seems like they've kind of went a little bit quiet recently. Uh, Nylander especially kind of hasn't been the same uh, Nylander we saw a couple of months ago when this these two first got you know kind of united. Uh, Tavares. He ended up with a two-goal performance. They combined for three goals and a helper on the night between the two of them. Um, you know, JTP, Mr. Johnny on the spot on the first goal, getting a nice tip. And then a big response goal, I thought, just 31 seconds after Tampa tied the game at two, Tavares able to go down there and score and give the Leafs the lead again was huge because that was kind of a, a telling moment. You know, this team, considering what they just went through this weekend and how embarrassed they got, they could not allow another goal. And they could have easily folded after giving up a tying goal right there. Instead, they sent 
JT back out there, and they had their line going. And, uh, you know, Nylander, really nice play, actually, along the boards to uh, to cut off a, a clearing attempt and then sent it down low for JT, who brings it in and, and just kind of put one past uh, Vasilevsky on the backhand, and Leafs took a 3-2 lead. Um, so just both of them together, I thought, had a really good game. Like, Nylander and Tavares both forechecked really well tonight, I thought. Um, but but for me, the thing that was the most beautiful thing of the night, I almost had it as my best, and <laughs> Freddie's my best. And it, it, going into the third period, I had Nylander there for this unreal goal that he put between the legs and up over Vasilevsky's uh, shoulder, if you want to see it. I, I've retweeted it on our Twitter account, at Lockdown Leafs. Uh, you can also, I'm sure, check it out on Wherever, like TSN highlights, Sportsnet highlights, wherever you're watching your highlights, uh, it's going to be highlight of the night material, guaranteed. Um, but yeah, that was that was amazing. Uh, but those two really good, really good game out of them. And then Freddie Anderson, boy, you talk about a response game. That was it. That was a good response out of him, and especially in the third period, where you needed Anderson. Just the way that they played in the third was was poor, piss poor. Um, outshot 14-3 to in the third, and Anderson had to stand on his head trying to preserve a two-goal lead. But he did it. He allowed the one goal, which, I mean, it went off of bodies out in front, kind of a, a bad bounce. He didn't quite see it, so you can't really fault him for that one. Even the second one was a, a deflection off of a body and, and into the back of the net. And then the first goal against him was just a great give-and-go play by uh, Kucherov and, and, and Stamkos, and there was no way he was saving that. So, you know, he didn't allow a bad goal, which is which is good to see, considering he's been a little flaky as of late. Um, and getting a win was huge, and really just his play in the third period when he went out there and uh, had to make multiple, multiple key saves in this game to, to just keep it with the Leafs' lead, especially in the final couple of minutes, too. Um, I thought that Freddie stole that game in the third period for the Leafs because they came out so flat. I think it wasn't even until like the eight-minute mark until the Leafs got their first shot on goal, and it was really just a dump in, uh, a dump in on net. Like that, that, that was their first shot on goal, and then they mustered up a couple more chances after that. Uh, with really only one being a half decent chance, which was Matthews. Other than that, this third period was all Tampa, all Tampa. And it was up to Anderson to to keep the Leafs in it and clamp down and pick up the two points, and that's what he did. So, Freddie Anderson, uh, you were my best tonight, and you earned it because not only did you steal the game, but you stole my best. My first star of the night went to Freddie. So, really good on him. Uh, All right, so we'll take a quick break, and then we'll continue chatting about the Leafs' 4-3 win over Tampa on the other side. All right, welcome back to Locked On Leafs Podcast. Mike DiStefano with you. Going solo today, so I appreciate you guys. Uh, Hopefully you don't get sick of my voice. But uh, um, so the Leafs, big W tonight. Huge win. Uh, Kind of already spoke about how they faltered in the third period and how Anderson had to stand on his head. Uh, One of the big reasons why that happened, which I can't believe I actually haven't even gotten to yet, which is one of the big outcomes from this game, yeah, they got a big win, a big two points, but they lost something tonight, man. Guys, Jake Muzzin left this game with an injury. 
a hand injury. He was playing really well through two periods, too. Like, Muzzin's been, honestly, one of the best, most consistent players for this team all season long. And this was a, a game that he went out and he wanted to have a statement. He made a statement today. Like, he was playing extremely well, shutting, trying to shut down that top line. Um, he was moving up, playing up into the rush, really taking control of the game tonight. And then after the second period, at least PR tweeted out that he was going to be out for the rest of the game with a hand injury. So I guess he blocked a shot at some point in that game, which I happened, I guess I, I missed, but because I didn't see him go off to the bench, I just saw the announcement that he wasn't going to be back due to a, a hand injury. So hopefully Muzzin won't be out long term. Uh, I'll try and get an update on that a little bit later. Uh, if I can't get it by the time I finish this podcast, uh, I'll tweet it out. So to so go check for it on Twitter, uh, I'm sure you guys will, will see it by this point anyways. Um, but I think just missing out on Jake Muzzin, your stabilizing force on the back end, really, really hurt them in the third period. Like at this point, you're without Muzzin, you're without Riley, CC, nah, whatever. Um, you're really missing that that veteranness on the back end. I mean, you got to go out there with with and Justin Hall and and Dermot are your your two guys. Like those are the guys that you're hoping are going to shut teams your, the team down. Now Justin Hall, I thought actually played pretty well. Like for the most part, um, I thought both Barry and Hall had pretty good games. Uh, Barry didn't really have any defensive lapses uh, and was fairly productive in the offensive end, got an assist uh, on the the point, the power play goal from John Tavares. And then Justin Hull happened to become the de facto number one shutdown guy after Muzzin got hurt, playing 25 minutes, 49 seconds of ice time tonight. That might be a, a career high for Justin Hull. Like, that's a lot of time for him. A lot of time. And especially for a guy who... Coming into the year, it was your seventh defenseman. <laughs> like, h- how does your seventh defenseman on night one or sixth defenseman on night one turn out to be a guy who you are expected to log almost 26 minutes on a night? Like, it just goes to show how much the injuries have really had to make guys step up. And Hall was that guy tonight. He did have to step up, and I thought he had a pretty good game. Um but don't don't be mistaken. Jake Muzzin, he can't be out long-term. That will be costly to this team. You're already without Riley. You can't lose Muzzin, too. We saw what happened to them earlier in the season when they were without Muzzin. They're terrible. Now, they haven't been that much better as of late, but at least Muzzin's a guy who he's likable. He tries to hold the team accountable not only with with his words off the ice, but his actions on the ice. And for a team that's really got to pick it up here, you you can't have him not in your lineup. Like that's if Muzzin's out for any extended period of time, playoffs are gone. Playoffs are gone. There's no way that you can rely on 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 a defensive corpse of Tyson Berry, Justin Hall, Travis Dermott, Rasmus Sandin. Timothy Lilligren, and then you'll probably have to bring in Callie Rosen, who you traded for back, traded back for yesterday at the deadline. And he's going to play some meaningful minutes for you now. Uh, that that's not a recipe for success, you know. Like Muzzin's a, a legitimate 
legitimate top four shutdown defenseman. You don't really uh, replace that at all. So that that's going to be tough if he is out long term. Hopefully not. Let's send out some prayers. Hope that he's going to be all right. But uh, odds are too. By the time this podcast comes out, everyone's going to know what he's up to um, and what the diagnosis is of his injury. But it's uh, people are going to have to step it up. You know, Sandine and Lilligren. I didn't think they were too strong tonight. You know, Lilligren. He was on the ice for for a couple of goals there. Um, just over 11 minutes on the ice, and he was on for two goals tonight. Uh, a couple of bad giveaways, I thought, at a little grin tonight. He did have that one kind of flash-in-the-pan offensive play where he uh, he took a puck from pretty much from the neutral zone, skated in uh, really fluidly, and then took a nice shot on net, actually. I thought that was a pretty good opportunity and a good chance, and it kind of showed what Lilligren can do, you know, take the puck in, in stride and, and carrying it in, controlling it over and taking good shots. Um, maybe you could see a little bit more of that of Lilligren. Uh, we'll see, but again, they're going to have to step it up if Muzzin's out. And that was the, the, one of the biggest observations out of this game was just, you know, how the team did falter in the third period after Muzzin was gone. So I don't know, man. I hope that he's not out for, for long. Uh, a couple other things. Uh, Jason Spezza. I thought he had a pretty good game. He was rewarded with top-line minutes, too, with Matthews and Marner after some strong play. Uh, about midway through the first period, it seemed like Keefe wanted to shuffle up some lines a little bit. So Hyman got bumped down to a line with Tavares and Nylander. And then Spezza got a, a couple of shifts with Matthews and Marner. Didn't end up converting to any any type of production, but it was good to see Spezza finally get rewarded for a strong play because I thought that he's actually been really good as of late. You know, for a guy who's making league minimum, I think he's outperforming his contract in spades. He's been arguably one of the best, uh, well, not best, but one of the more consistent players that the Leafs have had this season, at least since Keefe's over, taken over. Definitely the last few weeks. Those I see him finally get rewarded with some, with some top-line minutes. Who knows? Maybe he catches lightning in a bottle down the stretch and... With Janssen out, they kind of do have a, a, a left-wing spot open. Someone's got to take it, right? Why not Spezza? He's been a, a top-line player before. I know he's no longer what he used to be, but, you know, if he's given the opportunity and given the minutes, maybe. Like, he's still a smart player. He still has really good hands. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he, he will get a shot. Like, if they do need to move Hyman back down to the to the Nylander Tavares line, just kind of get get that going a little bit. Yeah, sure. Give Spezza a shot on the top line with Matthews and Marner. I'm game. All right. Um wow, Hollis Muzzin talk. We're about to <laughs> to do some more, actually. Uh on the other side, so Jake Muzzin signed a four year deal and uh well we'll talk a little bit about what that means for the Leafs and why it was kind of waited on and why it finally was announced yesterday. And we'll do that next. 
All right, welcome back to Locked On Leafs Podcast. Mike DiStefano with you. Jake Muzzin signing a brand-new four-year, $5.625 million extension yesterday with the Leafs. Now, this is a deal that had been reported by Darren Dreger a couple of weeks ago and said, yeah, this deal's pretty much done, but uh, there's something called tagging rules, which is really convoluted, and it's actually quite confusing. But in a nutshell, it essentially has to do with you cannot sign players to future contracts uh, if it exceeds the year that you're in or something to that effect. Like I said, it's really convoluted and really confusing, but all you need to know is the only reason why they waited until yesterday to to do the signing wasn't because Dubas wanted to save face. It had nothing to do with that. You know, I saw a couple of people on Twitter talking about how, wow, of course, they announced the Muzzin signing. This reeks of Dubas trying to save face because he didn't do anything at the deadline. That's not true. That's not true at all. (laughs) The reason why this was announced was due to tagging issues in case they had acquired a defenseman with term. So if they were to acquire a guy like Dumba, they couldn't have made this signing until March 1st because the tagging contract limit goes up 10%, uh, and then you can make those signings, those future signings. But up until yesterday, they wouldn't have been able to bring in a, an extra player. Like, if they had, if two weeks ago when they finally agreed on this deal, and they signed it, signed, delivered, sent it off to the league office, and it got approved and everything, then they would not have been able to bring in a defenseman with term at the deadline. Like a Matt Dumble would have been off the table unless they moving out significant, significant contract space on top of that. Right? So it, that's that's really why that happened. A um, couple of details about the deal too. So four years, 5.625. Uh, it's pretty bonus laden too and front loaded. So uh, just reading here, it's front-loaded with about $16.8 million in signing bonuses, uh, therefore making it pretty well lockout and buyout protected. Uh, But it also makes it an easier contract to trade in the future. So if, you know, he makes $16.8 million in the first couple of years in bonus money, then that means that the actual salary in the last couple of seasons might be a little bit lower, which means... It's easily easily tradable. And if it's signing bonuses, that means that after July 1, that makes it easily tradable because that's when those bonuses get paid out and then the remaining of the contracts usually much less. So we see that happen all the time with these types of, of contracts. I mean, take a look at, at um, Patrick Marlowe. He had a bonus lane contract too. That kind of went descending uh, in the in the last last season, and why this three year contract and they use air quotes on three years was essentially a two year deal that was easily tradable by year three. You take a look at uh, you know Ottawa or or you know um, Arizona. A lot of these contract or a lot of these teams that before were just kind of look they're looking for cap hit with the lowest amount of dollars owed. So a guy like Artem Anisimov. He had a cap hit this season of, I think it was something around four and a half or $4.2 million, but only actually owed like half that in actual dollars because the signing bonus was was paid out earlier that year or it was front-loaded contract and the salary went 
was was lower in in the final years of the deal. So that's essentially what it does. So after two years or so, maybe in the final year of the contract, the Leafs can't afford this $5.6 million cap hit, but he's only making, like the deals haven't quite come out yet, the exact details, but let's say that it's about $2.5 million in actual dollars. But four years down the line, you have a team that, you know, they're kind of not so much competing. I guess you'll say they're, they're kind of tanking out a little bit and uh, they want to take on an accrue cap without having to pay the money. Hint, hint, what the Ottawa Senators like to do. Um, that kind of allows this deal to be movable, which is a good thing. Uh, a couple other notes on it. Um, so there's a no movement clause in place for next season. No move, completely no move. So he can't be traded. He can't be. Uh, he can't be sent to the minors. Not that he would, but regardless, no movement clause next season. Now, I have curiosity as to why that even matters. If it's converting to a no trade clause the following year, I understand why it's converted to a no trade clause the following year. Because if it's a no move, that means that they have to protect him in the expansion. But I mean, I don't think they plan on moving Jake Muzzin in year one. To be honest with you, like if his contract or else they probably wouldn't have signed him. Like they they seem pretty committed to Muzzin long term. So I I don't know. Just probably made him feel better to to have that commitment, I guess, for at least the season. Uh but that being said, it does convert to a no trade clause, a ten team no trade clause in years two through four, and they're not gonna have to protect him on the twenty twenty one expansion draft, which is great news. So if he does happen to fall off a cliff for some reason, if he gets a, a really bad injury and then he just can't recover or age catches up to him, um, it just doesn't look like the same defenseman that we see right now, he can easily get out of this contract uh, and you're not tied down to it with a no move. So, you know, a couple of, a couple of little nuggets on that deal. I'm sure more will kind of start to, to surface over the next couple of days. But essentially, what you need to know is <laughs> this deal, A, I really like it because four years isn't that much. I get it. He's going to be 35, so maybe that last season might be a little questionable at $5.6 million. But on the open market, like this guy's probably looking at six and a half. So you're getting a little bit of a discount to stay at home. And <laughs> we saw tonight what happens without Jake Muzzin in the lineup. Look what happened in the third period. They're terrible. They're nobody. They got no ruggedness. They got no defensive defense. But like Justin Hall, yeah, he's he's fine. He did okay. But at the same time, like he's no Jake Muzzin. The team needs Muzzin. So I like the deal. I thought that they did uh, they did really good. Muzzin did really good. And the way that they were able to kind of, you know, Brandon Pridham, he's a cap genius. The way that he kind of finagles through uh, the the CBA to try and find the the loopholes to to try and make give the Leafs an upper hand basically by opting to have heavily signing bonus latent contracts, which allows them to trade off these deals uh, later on into their term. Uh, all right, so yeah, Jake Muzzin, a Maple Leaf for well locked up for at least the next four years. We'll see. If he makes the whole four years, and hopefully within that time, he's uh, raising a Stanley Cup with the team. Because, you know, they, they're they extremely talented. You saw it tonight. 
how talented this team can be if they play a full effort game on both ends of the ice. They can beat the best of them. They did it last week in Pittsburgh. They did it tonight in Tampa. But can they do this for two months straight? Because that's what it takes to win a cup. I don't know if they're ready for it this year. I'm not even going to put those expectations on this team this year. They just need to make it to the freaking playoffs at this point. But why don't we start off with two games in a row? Let's have this this one against Tampa. Let's do it again on Thursday against Florida. That's what we need. Just show me that you can have a little bit of consistency. Just a little bit. That's all I want for now. Eh, Thursday after the game, I might ask for a little bit more. But for the next couple of days, just please have the same consistent efforts. Because if you go and lay a stinker in Florida and you lose like 6-2, 6-3, man, is that ever going to be demoralizing. Not only because you just can't show any sense of urgency when you're in a game that you need to win, but also just the fact that you're up against the team that is chasing you. And you go ahead and you blow a game like that. These are important points. They're essentially four-point games. Because you're taking away two points from the loser and gaining two points as the winner. Big game Thursday. Big game. They had a great response tonight with a 4-3 win against Tampa. They have to have another good one Thursday night against Florida. We'll chat about that a little bit later tomorrow. Uh, But for now, we're going to end this one here. Uh, Thank you for listening to the podcast. You can subscribe to the Locked on These podcasts and all podcasting platforms and receive daily Leafs content. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Leafs. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck. And uh, be sure to check back in here tomorrow. We'll be teeing up the game against the Panthers. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked on Leafs.